the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Five five one one. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Today's sermon is pre-recorded. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the love of the Therein day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the streams of living water that yields its fruit in its own season, and its leaves shall not ever wither. does he prospers in all that he does but the wicked are not so but are like the chaff
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. With me in studio, live, is my sweetheart, my wife, Alexandra. Welcome, Alexandra. Welcome. Thank you all for joining us today. We're going to redo something that we've shared in the past. I keep going back to this story. I keep hungering in my heart as I read the description of what God did for Reese Howells, I know it's the same thing that I must have done for me and you must have done for you. The flesh counts for nothing. It's, it's by the Holy Spirit or it's not going to be. So much of today is pride and arrogance, all human flesh, human programming, human entertainment, It doesn't count for anything. The only thing that counts is by the Spirit of the living God. So Reese Howells had this incredible experience written about in the book by Norman Grubb entitled Reese Howells' Intercessor. Now, the date, 1906. Reese Howells has just returned from America back to his native Wales. He took a job at the face of the coal mine, the toughest place to work. He's a young man in his 20s. But this young man is hungry for God. He was converted while he was in America. And now his heart is so hungry for God and for the power of the Spirit, and the, and the revival is going on in Wales. And a number of them decided that they were going to go to a special convention. And so shortly before they're due to go, Reese was in a meeting, and a young woman read a passage of Scripture, Romans eight twenty six through 30. She could only read very slowly, stumbling. He heard the words very clearly. 
predestined, justified, glorified. Reese, listening to this, said, I know I'm chosen by God. I know. I know I'm justified. I'm, I'm made righteous. I'm not walking in sin. But am I glorified? That puzzled him. And the question rose constantly in his mind. What does it mean to be glorified? Well, two days later, he's on the train. He's on the way to this conference. And a voice speaks to him and says, when you return, you will be a new man. And he, without thinking, answered, but I am a new man. No, came the answer, you're a child. Now the others in the train car were singing the newest song of the revival called the Glory Song. Reese didn't even hear them singing. He kept pacing the corridor with that voice ringing in his ears, you will be a new man. Well, then Reverend Evan Hopkins, a great expositor of the scriptures, Ask the question, have you been quickened by Christ? Have you been raised up to sit with him in heavenly places? Out of Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 1 through 6. Well, Reese had always thought of the Holy Spirit as an influence on the revival meetings. But Reverend Hopkins opened the reality that, in fact, the Holy Spirit is the same as the Savior. He's a person he has intelligence and love. He has a will of his own. He's, he's wanting to come and live in the body of men and women, take full possession of them. And Reese said, as he, as he spoke to him, the Holy Spirit appeared, and he knew it to be the one who had spoken to him earlier and showed him the place of splendor and glory into which natural eyes can never look. And Reese said, It dawned on me before that Holy Spirit was a person, and he must come in and dwell in flesh and blood. Well, the meeting with the Holy Ghost was just as real to Reese Howells as his meeting with the Savior those years before. He said, I saw him as a person apart from flesh and blood. And he said to me, as the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. I am a person. I am God. I am come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 But it must belong to me without reserve. For two persons with different wills can never live in the same body. You will give me, will you give me yours? Romans 12, 1. But if I come in, I come in as God, and you must go out. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. I shall not mix myself with yourself. He made it very plain that he would never share my life. I want to stop a minute. The great problem we're facing today in the Christian church is that many of you who think of yourselves as Christians think that you can share your body, your mind, your heart with Jesus. 
but you can retain a portion for yourself. And so you struggle with sexual addictions. You struggle with alcohol or pot smoking. You struggle with this and you struggle with that. The reason for the struggle is you refuse to give yourself entirely to Jesus to be used for the work of the gospel. He said, he made it very plain that he would never share my life. I saw the honor he gave me in offering to indwell me, but there were many things very dear to me, and I knew he wouldn't keep one of them. Well, Reese has hit it on the head, hasn't he? There may be things in your life that you don't think are sin, but they're flesh. And nothing of the flesh counts. Only that of the Spirit counts. It literally meant that every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross. And he would bring in his own life and his own nature. It was unconditional surrender. From the meeting, Reese went out into a field where he cried. This is a a strong Welshman. This is a a coal miner. This is a young man in his 20s. He is crying his heart out, literally, because he said, I had received a sentence of death as really as a prisoner at the court of law. I'd lived in my body for 26 years, and could I easily give it up? Who could give up his life to another in an hour? Why does a man struggle with death when it comes, if it's, if it's easy to die? I knew that the only place fit for the old nature was on the cross. Paul makes it very plain in Romans 6. But once this is done in reality, it is done forever. You do not go back. I could not run into this. I intended to do it, but oh, the cost. I wept for days. I lost seven pounds in weight just because I saw what he was offering me. How I wish I'd never seen it. One thing he reminded of was that he had only come to take what I'd already promised the Savior, not in part, but in whole. Since he died for me, I had died in him, and I knew that the new life was his and not mine. That had been clear in my mind for three years. So he had only to come and take what was his own. I saw that only the Holy Spirit in me could live like the Savior. Everything he told me appealed to me. It was only a question of loss. The loss there would be in doing it. I didn't give my answer in a moment, and he didn't want me to. It took five days to make the decision. Days which were spent alone with God. Like Isaiah, I saw the holiness of God. I saw my own corrupt nature. It wasn't sins that I saw, but nature touched by the fall. I was corrupt to the very core. I knew I had to be cleansed. I saw that there was as much difference between the Holy Ghost and myself as between light and darkness. Nothing is more real to me than the process I went through for that whole week, he he said. The Holy Spirit went on dealing with me, exposing the root of my nature, which was self. And you can only get out of a thing what is in the root. 
Sin was canceled. And it wasn't sin he was dealing with. It was self. The thing that came straight out of the fall. He was not going to take a superficial surrender. He put his finger on each part of my self-life and I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. Then the moment I gave it, some purging took place. Isaiah 6, verses 5-7 through seven. And I could never touch that thing again. It was not saying I was purged and the thing still having a hold on me. No, it was a breaking and the Holy, the Holy Spirit taking control. And day by day, the dealing went on. He was coming in as God and I had lived as a man. And what is permissible to an ordinary man, he told me, will not be permissible for you. I'm going to invite Alexandra to share the next portion with you. Yes, and we're sharing from Reese Howells' intercessor, and this is a description of what it looked like for Reese Howells to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, as we've been sharing. So we share this as an illustration, and we might imagine that the disciples went through something like this in the upper room. But don't feel like you have to exactly mimic what's happening here. The, the point is that this was a work of the Holy Spirit that he was doing in Reese Howells. And so he's sharing what that looked like. So he describes the areas of his self-life that the Holy Spirit drew his attention to. He says, first, there was the love of money, that root of evil, which had formerly taken him to America. The Lord told him that he would take out of his nature all taste for money and any ambition for the ownership of money. I had to consider what that meant, Reese said. Money would be no more to me than it was to John the Baptist or to the Savior. To an extent, this was dealt with in my new birth, but now the Holy Ghost was getting at the root. The dealings on that lasted a whole day, and by the evening, his attitude towards money had entirely changed. Then, there was the fact that he would never have the right to a choice in making a home. I saw I could never give my life to another person to live to that one alone. Could the Savior have given his life and attention to one person instead of to a lost world? Neither could the Holy Ghost. He took plenty of time to show me exactly what it would mean. The life he would live would be for the world. Was I willing for that? Among other things that were dealt with was ambition. How could he have any if the Holy Ghost came in? The way the Lord show it to, showed it to him was like this. Supposing he had a mission in a town and another mission opened up in the same place, if there was jealousy between the two and it was better for the town only to have one, then it would be his which would have to go. Or suppose that he and another man should apply for the same job. He would have to let the other have it. Or if his earnings were 12 shillings a day and another man with a family was earning much less, the spirit could tell him to give his job to that man. He saw the Holy Ghost in ways like that, taking the place of the other, and suffering instead of him. Yes, he was willing for that. On the fifth day, Rhesus' reputation was touched. As he was thinking of men of the Bible who were full of the Holy Ghost, and particularly John the Baptist, the Lord said to him, Then I may live through you the kind of life I lived through him. 
a Nazarite clothed in camel's hair, living in a desert. Even in this, or what might be its modern equivalent, a real decision had to be made. If I live my life in you, and that is the kind of life I choose, you can't stop me, was the Lord's word on it. As the Savior was despised, he must be willing to be the same. By Friday night, each point had been faced. He knew exactly what he was offered, the choice between temporal and eternal gain. The Spirit summed the issue up for him. On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self, and the life I will live in you will be 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could when he was on earth. Now, are you willing? Reese was to give a final answer. That night, a friend said to him, If some of us come over after the meeting, will you tell us of your position in Christ? At once the Spirit challenged him, How can you do that? You have seen the position of the overcomers, but you have not entered in. I have been dealing with you for five days. You must give me your decision by six o'clock tonight, and remember, your will must go. On no account will I allow you to bring in a cross current. Where I send you, you will go. What I say to you, you will do. It was the final battle on the will. I asked him for more time, Reese said, but he said, you will not have a minute after six o'clock. When I heard that it was exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me a free will, I answered, and now you force me to give it up. I do not force you, he replied, but for three years have you not been saying that you are not your own and that you wanted to give your life back to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you? You know, as I listen to this, this is why I'm repeating it again. I've read it before. And I want to ask you a very simple question. Have you given yourself to Jesus in this way? Have you been glorified? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Or are you still walking in the flesh? Still owning yourself and your time and your energy and your money? Or have you given everything over to Jesus? See, this is where I've struggled as a pastor for so many years, and it breaks my heart that I've struggled this way. Trying, always trying to convince people to finally give up and follow Jesus. And then people say, okay, I'll follow Jesus. But then they want gradualism. They want to slowly, piece by piece, give up their lives. They don't want to cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm calling you today to recognize whether or not you have cut off the world, the flesh, and the devil, or whether you still have your own private life separate from the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Are you still walking in your flesh? There's one very easy test. Is all of your time, attention, love for the lost? Or is it for your own survival? The Holy Spirit said to Reese, 
you will no longer be able to save yourself any more than Jesus could save himself from the cross. What's he mean? He means that we are utterly, totally, fully given to only do what Jesus tells us to do. So let's be clear here. When Pastor Ray talks about the flesh, he's not talking about sin. But as we see in the story with Reese Howells, this young man was born again about three years before he had this encounter with the Holy Spirit. So as he said, he was already a new person in Christ. And he had promised the Savior, which we all do if we're truly converted, we promise God to give him our life. But what happened was, although he had made this promise, it wasn't until this crisis experience that the Holy Ghost actually came and dealt thoroughly with him and said, I want to move into your body and live my life through you. And this is the Pentecost experience that we've been describing. So I don't want you to get this confused with conversion because you do have to give everything to Jesus in order to be converted. But in terms of actually having the Holy Ghost come and live that out in you, that requires us to, as Reese did, he had to really count the cost. And for him, it was different than it probably will be for you. You may not have a hold of money in your heart, but it may be more your family. But the point is that we need to seek God for this second experience so that he can actually fulfill in us his will. His will isn't just for us to live a sinless life. His will is for us to live a sinless life and be greatly useful. He said, be fruitful and multiply. That was the first command ever to Adam and Eve. And that's the same command in the New Testament. But now we're not having physical children. We're having spiritual children as the Holy Ghost comes in us and makes us into soul winners. So, yes, let's be very clear. We are not speaking about the decision to follow Jesus. We're talking about a person who has left all known sin. And many of you have not done that yet. You've not been able to gain the victory because you have withheld yourself from God. But a person who is now walking clean in the spirit, but is still walking in the flesh. I've been weeping before the Lord over the pride in my own heart that is not quickly visible to people looking but the Holy Spirit has been exposing it and saying this has to go you cannot save yourself and it's interesting we are very much in a position where we cannot save ourselves we, we don't have the ability to rescue ourselves financially we don't have the ability to rescue ourselves in any manner the Lord has simply said to me, wait on the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. He didn't tell me to do anything except wait on him. And as whatever the Lord says to us, as we walk in obedience to that, 
He opens the way. Some of you are struggling mightily to open the way for yourself. And you're not going to be able to do it. You'll struggle and you'll be in pain and you'll be hurting and you'll be in agony, worried. Wait on the Lord. So could you speak a little bit more specifically about what you have been confessing to God in terms of what you feel to be walking in the flesh? Yes. I have for many years done everything I could do to build the kingdom of God. I have preached. I've been kind. I've been merciful. I've been generous. I have given and given and given time, energy, money. But I look at it now and I see that without the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it has been almost totally fruitless. Oh yes, people have come to Jesus and some of them have been taken over by the Holy Spirit and they have a victorious life in Jesus and I'm very grateful for that. But I recognize that the city is basically untouched. I've worked in Washington all of my career, if I may call it that. And the city is basically untouched. So by flesh, you mean the absence of the full Pentecost power of the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So a man can build a great church in his charisma and his ability to preach and get along with people. And then something happens, he decides to leave, and the church disintegrates. Or the congregation grows unhappy with the pastor and disagrees with him, and the church implodes. That's happening in Washington right now. One of the largest churches in Washington is imploding on itself. Other churches, unhappy with their pastor, are dying. They're losing members. They're losing tithe base. In the flesh, we can't do this. Church is not a business. It's by the Spirit. So pride in our ability, in our talents, in our ambition and dream, they're useless to Jesus. And so I've had to carefully walk in humility and confession and wait now for the anointing of the Holy Spirit for the baptism of the Holy Spirit well I'm going to have you begin to read again no Alexander's struggling with these pollens fortunately I'm not affected by them he writes I ask him for more time But he said, you will not have a minute after six o'clock. Well, how much like Jesus that is. He does not want something to continually be stretched out. He wants it cut off. Jesus does not believe in gradualism. When I heard that it was exact, when I heard that, it was exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me free will, I answered, 
and now you force me to give it up. I do not force you, but for three years you've been saying that you're not your own, that you wanted to give your life back to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you. I climbed down in a second. The way I had said it was an insult to the Trinity. I'm sorry, I told him. I didn't mean what I said. You are not forced to give up your will, he said. But at six o'clock, I will take your decision. After that, you will never get another chance. It was my last offer, my last chance. I saw that throne, Revelation three twenty-one, and all of my future for eternity going. I said, please forgive me. I want to do it. Once more, the question came. Are you willing? It was ten minutes to six. I wanted to do it. But I could not. Your mind is keen when you're tested. And in a flash it came to me. How can self be willing to give self up? Five minutes to six came. I was afraid of those last five minutes. I could count the ticks of the clock. Then the Spirit spoke to me. If you are, if you can't be willing, would you like me to help you? Are you willing to be made willing? Take care, the enemy voice whispered. When a stronger person than yourself is on the other side, to be willing to be made willing is just the same as to be willing. As I was thinking upon that point, I looked at the clock. It was one minute to six. I bowed my head. Lord, I am willing. Within an hour, the third person of the Godhead had come in. He gave Reese that word in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verse 19. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Immediately, said Reese, I was transported into another realm within that sacred veil where the Father, the Savior, and the Holy Spirit live. Then I heard God speaking to me, and I've lived there ever since. When the Holy Spirit enters, he comes to abide forever. To the blood be the glory. How I adored the grace of God. It is God who goes so far as to give us repentance. It was God who helped me give up my will. There were some things he'd ask for during the week that I was able to give because I was the master of them. But when he asked me to give up myself and my will, I found that I could not until he pulled me through. An eyewitness tells us that no words can describe the little meeting in the house that night. 
the glory of God came down. Reese started singing the chorus, There's power in the blood. And they couldn't stop singing for two hours. Then from 9 p.m. until 2.30 a.m., it was nothing but the Holy Spirit speaking things I'd never dreamed of, exalting the Savior. When he awoke the next morning, I realized that the Holy Spirit had come in to abide forever. The feeling I had was that he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. It's impossible to describe the floods of joy that followed. Reese Howells was not a person who was given to public speaking. He was by nature quiet and retiring. But when the Holy Spirit entered, he loosed his tongue and brought his own boldness in. There was a praise meeting that morning in the convention tent with about a thousand people present, including some 200 ministers. The first person Reese saw there was his own minister. And if anything could have stopped him from speaking... It was the fact of his presence. But during the meeting, Reese stood up and he told them clearly and calmly that he was calling them to be witnesses that the Holy Spirit who had entered the apostles on the day of Pentecost had entered him and would produce similar results. The effect was so great that during the next week, when crowds had gathered to hear messages from famous speakers, literally hundreds came to ask Reese how the Holy Spirit had entered him. It was the first stream of those promised rivers, which, as Jesus said, flow out of those in whom the Spirit dwells. Now, when the divine owner takes possession of a property, he has a twofold objective. One, intense cultivation, and two, abounding fruitfulness. But if the land is fallow ground, he can only till it acre by acre. We shall see the owner now at work in his newly claimed estate. The first acre to put under fresh cultivation in Reese Howells was his prayer life. Reese had, had been used to praying general prayers. But if someone had asked him if he knew he was going to get an answer, he would not have known what to say. Now the Spirit told him, The meaning of prayer is answer. And of all that I give you, see that you lose nothing. He also told him that effectual praying must be guided praying, that he was no longer to pray for all kinds of things at his own whim or fancy, but only the prayers that the Holy Spirit gave him. Coupled with this was another important lesson that he was never again to ask God to answer a prayer through others if he could answer it himself by the power of Jesus. That included his money. 
when there was prayer for money, he must allow his own money to be used. The Holy Spirit showed him that in his unsurrendered state, he could spend time in asking God to supply the foreign fields and other causes and yet not be willing for God to answer that prayer through him, that often the Lord is wearied with our words. All things, all this unreality was to be put on one side and scriptures obeyed in the most practical sense. I want to tell you this is the difference between religion and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want, I need, I must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I am praying that you who listen are so hungry that you too will pray with me for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you will cry out to the Lord that if you are walking in any known sin before God, you will stop that foolishness and lay it aside and repent of that and leave it alone and get on with the real work of the gospel, which is to be put under the cultivation of the Holy Spirit, to be made righteous in even the deepest inner parts of our life, that you might be baptized in the Holy Spirit and be useful to God in kingdom work. Flesh counts for nothing. John, the sixth chapter. Flesh counts for nothing. The only thing that matters is the Holy Spirit. Anything you'd like to add, Alexandra? Well, we have time for a couple of quick calls. Would you like for us to pray with you today? Would you call quickly? The phone number is 877-534-0780. We have time for one or two quick calls. If you have not overcome your sin and you are asking Jesus to give you the victory, call right now. Or if you're walking clean before God and you must be baptized by the Holy Spirit, call and we will join together in prayer that you will be baptized in the fullness of Pentecost. I have no pride in this. I must have that full baptism. Some of you have roots of bitterness that have grown in your heart. Some of you are depressed and discouraged because you've not been able to accomplish in your flesh what you desired. Some of you are cynical and cold because you've been unwilling to let the Spirit of God reign over your life. Whatever your condition, 
I'll pray with you and I'll pray for you. And you can pray for me. Call 877-534-0780. Mr. Producer, any calls coming in? Hmm. Is it hard to call? Is it pride that stops you? Is it fear that holds you back? I'm praying, oh God, would you bring revival on the air? I know there are men and women listening to this broadcast who've been touched today by your Holy Spirit, and they know that what I'm saying is right. They know it rings true. But pride is filling their hearts and fear or bitterness or some lust. Lord, I'm asking you to come in power and break this in this listening congregation. Lord, if we don't begin at some point to get honest with you, what possibility is there for us to ever enter in to your kingdom, to enter into revival? Jesus, I plead your blood over every person listening. I know there's a person right now who's been playing with sin and with darkness, and they know, Jesus, that they are hell-bound but you've called them and you've touched them today. Would you prompt them to call right now? Would you cause them to say, I must have Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you go forth over those who are listening right now? Lord, some are just turning off the radio. They can't stand this. But, Lord, some are listening and saying, Oh, I must have Jesus. Lord, I must have this baptism of the Holy Spirit that Reese Howells experienced, that Charles Finney experienced. We have six and a half minutes, and we have a brother Paul on the line. Paul, thank you for your call. How can I pray with you? Hey, Pastor Ray, Brother Tom. Oh, it's Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing exactly what Jesus told me to do. I'm crying out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I hear you. I uh, I know you have it, but, you know, the fullness of it. And uh, you made that statement, uh, I guess, reading from the... Um, biography of Reese Howe, you know, yes. make me willing, make me willing to be willing. And, um, that, uh, is probably my issue. My, every time I think I've died out to myself, that, uh, that old man pops up here or there somewhere, you know, but, um, make me willing to be willing. Uh, that's, that's my prayer. You know, Tom, there's a place where we have to come where we finally recognize we've 
we've played with this darkness and we finally just have to cut it off. Yes. And then we have yes. to be baptized in the fullness of the Spirit. Well, I've cut off that darkness in my life and it doesn't come back anymore. Yes. But I've, not, but I've not been baptized in the fullness of the Pentecost power. And that's what Amen. I must have. Well, I, I hear you. Every time I think I've got it, I find out that maybe I don't. Uh, you know, I... I uh, uh, I, I, I find it almost like a perplexity, you know, as, as soon as I, it's kind of like a conundrum. As soon as I say that I've done it, you know, and then I'll, pride rises up or whatever, and then, you know, I end up falling over myself. But uh, uh, that's that's my prayer. Lord, make me willing to be willing. And, and when I see something, uh, give it up because uh, I, I I do know it's it's kind of a step-by-step -step process. I know it's not gradual, but sometimes it's step-by-step. -step. You know, we sing that song, I Surrender All. And then uh, when the Lord points to something specific, I uh, say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll do that, but maybe a day later. And uh, just, just make me willing to be willing. That's, uh, that's my prayer. Lord, I'm asking today for my brother Tom that there would be a very clear line of demarcation between his conversion and his leaving all sin and his continued living out the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I fear that there is areas where Tom wants to go back and reclaim his life and own it, and he can't do that. You're the one who must produce business for him. You're the one who must produce everything for Tom. Yes. So I claim the blood of Jesus today for Tom. And I thank you, Lord. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Tom. Amen. Thank you. Good to hear from thank you, you, brother. We yeah, have good talk. Thank you. We have another caller on the line. Okay. No, that's foolishness. The question that's coming through is, why are we using secular books and not scripture? Anyone who would even suggest that has a spirit that we're not going to deal with. I call them to repent. It's a religious spirit. Uh, the story of Reese Howells is in no way a secular book. And yesterday we went through scripture after scripture after scripture. It is our foundation. So I call on whoever had that criticism today to simply repent of their pride and their religious spirit because they're not going to walk in the fullness of Jesus until that's gone. So, no, we don't want to go into that controversy, Mr. Producer. How much time do we have? All right. Lord, I pray today that you would move in power in the life of every person who's willing to humble their heart before you today. Lord, it's pride that rises up. It's ownership that we want to take back our life. I renounce those things in the name of Jesus. I renounce any religious spirit Lord, I'm just not going to listen to religious spirits. 
I want the real Christian faith. I want the reality of your Holy Spirit and the fullness of his baptism. And Lord, I'm not surprised that there are some listening who would rise up against what I'm saying. I'm not troubled by that, Lord. I just put them in your hands. And I pray for all of those brothers like Brother Tom who are struggling. Lord, thank you. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress today. I'm Ray Greenlee. And I'm Alexandra Greenlee. And we're from the National Prayer Chapel. And we are holding an upper room every Sunday where we are praying for the fullness of the baptism. We are doing a prayer meeting tonight where again we are praying for the fullness of the baptism. Alexandra and I are spending hours in the upper room every day. We are seeking Jesus and that baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he will come. He's told us, wait on him. And so we are actively, not passively, waiting. You can listen to this broadcast again by going to nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. We are eager for you to step forward and financially contribute. We're coming to the end of the month. We need to cover the cost of this radio broadcast. It's almost $4,000. As the Holy Spirit moves in your heart, this is a faith ministry. Would you give as he directs you? Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. God bless you. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.